0: And so at this time, we will be going into um, the sermon. And so once again, those of you who would like to hear the, the sermon in Hmong, we do have a link here um, on our Facebook page, uh, the Hmong Sermon. And so feel free to just go ahead and just click on that at this moment so you can hear the Hmong Sermon. I recorded that yesterday or yesterday evening. And so please do go on there if you're interested in that. If, you, if you're if you interested in the English sermon, uh, just stay on this live feed here and we will this live feed here we will be uh speaking we'll be preaching the sermon in english and so this week the verse that we will be talking about is from luke chapter 24 verse 13 through verse 35 luke chapter 24 verse 13 through verse 35 and the topic that i have given to this sermon here today is called seven miles with jesus christ And this is the journey, the walk, or on the road to Emmaus, in which two of Jesus' disciples, uh, they were walking to Emmaus on Easter, uh, about Easter afternoon or so, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so, from Luke chapter 24, verse 13 to verse 35, I'll be reading this in English. Uh, The reading in Hmong is in the, the Hmong video. So um, here I'll be reading this in English. On the road to Emmaus, Luke chapter 24, verse 13 to verse 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if He were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us. For it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it again, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. The word of God to the people of God. We give thanks to God and praise him for his word. And may his word um, be a blessing for us today. Let us pray before we study. Let us pray together. God Almighty, holy indeed, filled with majesty, full of glory, as we open up your words to study your wisdom, we ask that you give us hearts to be able to receive your words. We ask that you open up our minds to be able to understand your words. We ask that you plant your word so deep inside our hearts that it becomes a part of who we are, that every single day in our life, that we will continue to live for your name, that we will continue to live only for your glory and not our home. God, these words are your words. This time is your time. And so we ask, we ask that you come. May the Holy Spirit speak directly to us through these words today. We are a man, we are men and women who cannot grasp your wisdom without your guidance. And so we ask that you be with us. We ask for your guidance, we ask we ask for your presence at this time. May your words bless us today. May your words transform us today. May your words make us to be more and more like your son, Jesus Christ, on this day. And we ask that you, you get rid of all the distractions that we may have on our minds. Get rid of them at this moment. Although we're going through this tough and difficult time with this pandemic, we ask that you get rid of, the, of, of all the worries and all the concerns in our hearts at this time. So that we may just focus on your word you're beautiful you're wonderful an amazing word in you. and so we lift everyone up to you in the name of our lord jesus christ we pray. amen in proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 the scripture says that the heart of man plans his way but the lord establishes his steps, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. And so you see, in our lives, we often are the ones who make the plans. In our lives, we're often the ones who come together and think of all the things that we want to do. We put all the programs together, we set all the goals, and we do all these things. We set up all the plans. But the only way that that plan is going to occur is if God is the one that allows it to occur. The only way that 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 plan is going to go is only when God is the one that leads that plan. Without God leading, no matter how much we may plan, no matter how many goals we may have in our own lives, no matter how many things we want to do in our lives, without God guiding us, those plans are not going to occur. Those plans are not going to come about. And so that's something that we have to understand, we have to realize, is that that even though we are the ones making plans, God is the one that is in charge of those plans. And he is the one that decides whether or not those plans will occur. And so this year, Shoah and I, I mean, we here in 2020, we, we've made many, many plans this I mean, we set many goals for our own lives, set many, you know, made many plans, many things that we want to do this year, many places that we want to go, many, many goals that we want to accomplish. But you, one of the things that's upsetting about all of this is that no matter how many goals or how, how many plans that we, we set with this coronavirus, we're not able to go out there and accomplish our goals. We're not able to go to these places that, that we've set for ourselves. These places that we want to go see, these places that many, some of these places that we haven't been to before, we want to be able to go there, but because of this coronavirus, we can't go. And so sometimes, sometimes when things like that happens, it's, it's very upsetting. It's very disappointing when things don't go as according to to our plans. And I'm sure many of you here in 2020, <clears throat> I'm sure that many of you have also made many plans here in 2020. I'm sure that many of you have also have also made plans to go visit certain places, travel to certain places. But with this coronavirus, with this pandemic that we're going through, we're all told that we must stay indoors. And so we can't go anywhere. We're all told to practice <clears throat> excuse me, we're well, all told to practice social distancing. And so this is something that's not very natural for us, for us to just stay away from each other. It's not something that's very natural for us, Because, but just by, by default, we, we are social creatures, and so we were created to be social. And so when we have to stay away from each other, it's, it's just quite unnatural for us, and it can be upsetting for. Us. But as we, and, and, and as we come and as we read these, the scripture, these verses here in Luke chapter 24, as we read the story here about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, we see the very same thing that's happening to them. That they had many things that they were expecting to occur that week in Jerusalem. They went to Jerusalem. They were expecting many great things. And in the end, the things that they saw in Jerusalem was not the things that they were expecting. And so in a sense, their plans were ruined during that week. And we don't know, we don't know anything about these two, these two disciples. The only thing that we know about them is that one of them is named Cleopas. And so the other disciple, we don't know who the other disciple is. When we read the story, it doesn't mention anything. Outside of this, outside of these verses, we don't we don't know anything about Cleopas. We don't know anything about this other disciple. We don't know anything about them. But what we do know, at least in the scripture, was that they came to Jerusalem, that they were in Jerusalem during the week, during the Holy Week, and they had great expectations. But what they saw and what they were expecting. Were two very different things, and so by this time, by this time, it was Easter Day. It was already after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was sometime after, I'll say, sometime after noonish on that day, and they were already on their way to a mass. Why were they going to a mass? We really have no idea why. I mean, some people have have um, suggested. That maybe they, were, they lived in Emmaus and they were going back home. But we don't really know why they were going. As a matter of fact, we don't know much about this, the village of Emmaus. Nowadays, we have no idea where this village is. We have no idea where Emmaus is. But what we do know, and the only thing that we really know about this, is that Emmaus was seven miles, was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And these disciples, they were the ones that they were on, on that Easter Sunday. They were walking towards this village. And so they were leaving Jerusalem. And they were walking towards Emmaus. And so we see, we see that that entire week, that entire week as all the Jewish people came together in Jerusalem, all the attention of all the Jewish People, the Jewish community was placed upon Jerusalem that very week as they came together to celebrate the Passover. I mean, Something that, that, we, that we can use to illustrate for us to kind of uh, relate to this is um, for the Hmong, it's the Hmong New Year. It's, it's the Hmong New Year, right? Because during the Hmong New Year, when we have the Hmong New Year and Fresno, every Hmong person throughout the entire world and throughout the entire globe, no matter where they live, whether they live in China, whether they live in Thailand, whether they live in Vietnam, in Laos, whether they live here in the United States, no matter which state they're from, maybe they they live in Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Georgia, Florida, California. No matter where they live, No matter where they're from, as long as they were Hmong, all of their attention is on Fresno for that very week when Hmong people come together to celebrate New Year's, Hmong New Year, Fresno. And so people, Hmong people from throughout the entire globe, no matter which part of the globe they're from, they will all want to come together into that one city just so that they can come to celebrate. New Year together. For, for, for others, we, we may understand this more like, like an event, like an event. For example, the Super Bowl. Every single year, whenever there's a Super Bowl, all the attention is given to the Super Bowl. You know, if we have that Super Bowl, whatever city it is that we have that Super Bowl at, all the attention of the media, all the attention of many Americans will be focused will be focused directly on that city, will be focused directly on that event. That will be the talk of the entire week is just talking about the Super Bowl, talking about expectations that people had or people have for the Super Bowl. Of course, this past Super Bowl, we had the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. And so as a 49er fan, I had this great expectation that the 49ers were going to win the Super Bowl. And of course, my expectations were also ruined because they lost. And so we all have this. So, so we all have these great expectations. During times such as these. And this is the situation that was happening in Jerusalem at this time. Because everybody was focused on Jerusalem at this time. The entire community. The entire people. The entire Jewish people. They were just focused on Jerusalem at this time. And we can see by reading the scriptures. That there were great, great expectations. By reading what Uh, these, these two disciples we're talking about, we can see, we can see that they had great expectations here. We see here in these verses, they said he was a prophet. You see, when they talk about Jesus Christ here in these scriptures, they talked about Jesus Christ in the past tense, was, had, okay? All in the past tense because they came to Jerusalem expecting a Messiah to rise up. And so they were definitely there during the time when Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on the donkey during Palm Sunday when everybody was throwing, you know, things, you know, palms on the, on, on the ground, welcoming Jesus Christ. They were praising the Lord. They were singing Hosanna to the Lord. They were there. It was time of great joy, great expectations. They were saying, man, our king has finally arrived. Our Messiah has finally arrived. He is finally going to defeat the, Rome, the Romans. He's finally going to help us overcome the suppression that we are going through. And so that week, they had great, great expectations. But in the end of that week, that Savior, the Messiah, was on the cross, dying. By the end of that week, that Savior, Messiah, was placed inside a tomb. And so all their dreams, all the expectations were spoiled. They were greatly, greatly disappointed. And so by this time, as they were talking about Jesus Christ, they spoke about Him in the past tense. They really had no, no expectation of Him resurrecting from the dead they did not anticipate that at all if you know many times we said that thomas is the the one that didn't believe but if we study the scriptures we look into the scriptures we come to see that thomas was not the only one that was doubting the resurrection of jesus christ as a matter of fact if we were to read a, a few verses before in luke chapter 24 around verse 11 or so we see we see that the disciples, when the, when the women came back from the tomb, when the women came back to tell them that, that Jesus Christ has, has risen from the dead, we see that the disciples did not believe in them. The disciples did not believe in their stories at all. As a matter of fact, they said that they were speaking nonsense. That the things that they were speaking about, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, these things were nonsense to them. They were childish. There were crazy things. And so the disciples did not believe when they first heard about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we see that the disciples, even although they have been walking with Jesus Christ, although... They they were so close to Jesus Christ, and they heard Jesus Christ teaching them every day that what was going to happen to Jesus Christ, and they heard Jesus Christ teaching them every day that Jesus was going to go through the suffering, and that He was going to rise again from the dead. None of the disciples anticipated it. None of them really believed in it. And so these two disciples, they too, they they were not expecting. Jesus Christ be resurrected, to be resurrected they were not expecting Jesus Christ to rise from the dead and we even see they, they're talking about the women who amazed them they talk about the stories that they heard from these women and yet even though they heard these stories from the, these women earlier that morning As they were walking to Emmaus, they still did not believe. They still did not believe in the resurrected Christ. And the scripture goes on and it shows us that they were kept from recognizing him. You see, so even in their disbelief, Jesus Christ came to them. Jesus Christ came up and Jesus Christ walked along with them. But yet, at the same time, because they did not have that faith, in Jesus Christ. They did not believe they were kept. The scripture says in, in verse 16 here that they were kept from recognizing. And so this word kept from recognizing Jesus Christ, it implies, it implies a veil that's, that's placed over your eyes, a veil or some kind of thing that's placed over your face so you cannot see. So you cannot. Recognize. And we see, we see Jesus Christ saying in Mark chapter four verse twelve, He says, "Of the people will ever be seeing, but never perceiving. They will always ever they, they will ever be hearing, but never understanding." In this, Jesus Christ is talking, about. because without faith, they could not recognize the risen Christ was in front of them without faith, even though Jesus Christ was walking. They were so focused on their disappointment. they were so focused on the plans that they had. They were so focused on the expectations that they had. That week, they were expecting to see this great, great miracle, this great uprising being led by Jesus Christ. when they didn't see that. They became disappointed. And they lost their faith. And all they could focus on on this road to a man at the beginning of this road to a man, all they could really focus on was, was their disappointment. Now, brothers and sisters, have you also ever been disappointed in God? And I, I imagine that many of us have been disappointed in God in the past. We pray God and we say, God, we want you to give us this, we want you to give us that. We want you to give us this this brand new car. We want we want you to be able to just give us this house that we want to buy. We want this job, God. We 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 want you to give us this job. And I'm sure that for many of us, many times we have been disappointed in the expectations that we have. God, He just didn't meet the things that we wanted. He just didn't meet our own expectations. And so, sometimes it seems like no matter how much we pray, God is silent. No matter how much we pray, it seems that God is not answering our prayers. And some of us at this time, as we go through this pandemic, we may even feel that. Man, we just want to get rid of this so that we can go out again. God, why don't you just destroy this virus, right at this moment. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you just prevent people from being sick, from being infected? And it's difficult for us to understand. Sometimes it's disappointing for us. You know, maybe other times, maybe other times we're disappointed. In the church, in the body of Christ, we go to a church and the church does not meet our needs and the church does not meet our expectations we go to the church and maybe the church is not big enough the the members of the church there's not enough members of the church or the church you know the demographic of the church doesn't meet our needs we go to a church and maybe the pastor is not exactly the one that we want we go to the church, and maybe some of the programs in the church is not exactly what we want. Sometimes we go to church, and they don't believe exactly in the things that we that we may believe in. And so sometimes we're even disappointed also. Sometimes we're disappointed in many, many things. But I want to assure us. I want to assure us through this, these scriptures here today that even in our times of disappointment, that Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ was the initiator here on the road to Emmaus. While these two gentlemen, or, or, or these two disciples, because we don't, know what, we don't know who the other person is. We know one is Cleopas, we don't know who the other person is. That other person can be a man, or a woman, we don't know. But these two disciples, As they were walking away from Emmaus, they weren't thinking about seeking Jesus. Because to them, Jesus Christ was dead. And they've heard all these nonsense in the morning. They've heard all these stories here in the morning by these women who are claiming that they saw the risen Christ. And to them, to them, that's, that's, that's just a bunch of nonsense. Just a bunch of nonsense. And so, they were not thinking about seeking on Jesus. But yet, even though they were not thinking about that, that Jesus Christ was the one that sought them out. Jesus Christ was the one that came to them as they're walking. And Jesus Christ was the one that came to walk with them. And even though they did not have the faith to recognize who Jesus Christ was, Jesus Christ was still seeking them out. And so I want us to understand this, that during our most Difficult times, that during our times of disappointment, such as these times, during times of, during these times as as we're going through this pandemic, I want us to understand that Jesus Christ is indeed walking with us. And whether we recognize him or not makes no difference. He is still walking with us. In Isaiah chapter 41, verse 9 through verse 10, God speaks to his people and he addressed them. He calls them Jacob. Jacob here in in this this verse is in reference to the people of God. It's not in reference to to, to Jacob personally, but it is in reference to the people of God, to the Israelites at that time. And so in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 9 to verse 10, this is what God says to his people. He says, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its furthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. A servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. So even during times of great disappointment, God is promising us that, he has already, that we are the ones that he has chosen. He is the one that calls us together to become his people, to become his church, to become the body of Christ. And so we do not have to fear. We do not have to fear that he is rejecting us during times of our, during times of difficulty. Sometimes that's how people feel. Sometimes that's how some Christians may feel. They may feel that, you know, during, you know, during good times, God is with me, but during bad times, it's because God is rejecting me. But here in the scriptures, it's teaching us that's not the case at all. God has not rejected us. He is with us. And he will give us the strength to go through uh, these difficult times. He will uphold us. He will lift us up with his own righteous hand during these difficult times. And so what I want us to do, guys, brothers and sisters, is I want us to learn to expect that Jesus Christ is with us. I want us to learn that. I want us to learn to expect that. There are times that, even though there are times that we don't recognize Jesus Christ because of a lack of faith, I still want us to learn to expect that Jesus Christ is with us. Because sometimes we we just don't recognize Jesus Christ. It's because maybe he's not the Christ that we are expecting. He's not the Christ that we're expecting. And that that is the case here with these two disciples. Was that Jesus Christ, this Messiah, was indeed not the Messiah that they were expecting. He was was the Messiah that was crucified on the cross. So that made no sense to them at all. That made absolute no sense to them. And that's what Jesus Christ says in John chapter 3, verse 12. He says that I speak to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? You see, the simple things, the things of this earth, it's hard for us to even grasp. And so if we can't grasp the things of this earth, how is it that we're going to believe the things of God? The things that are heavenly indeed. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says, Brothers and sisters, I cannot address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. And many times, the reason why we don't recognize Jesus is because our faith in Jesus Christ is still based upon worldly things. It is still based upon the things that we want in this world. It is not anchored on who Jesus Christ is, but it is anchored upon what we receive from this relationship with Jesus Christ. But yet during this difficult time, I want us to learn in our lives. I want us to learn to expect that Christ is with us. And at the same time, I want us to learn to accept Jesus Christ for who he is. Accept him for who he is. Instead of trying to make him fit our expectations, instead of trying to make him fit the way that we want, instead of trying to make Jesus Christ fit into our, personal, our own personal preferences, let us just accept him. Let us just receive him in our lives for who he is, for who he has revealed himself to be in the scriptures. And you see, so, so you see, this was, was part of the problem with these two disciples was because they were so fixated upon their expectations of the Messiah. That even though the Messiah was with them at that time, they could not recognize And so as Jesus came to walk with them on their journey to Emmaus, on this road to Emmaus, after they explained all these things to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ rebukes them. And at first he did rebuke them harshly. He said, how foolish you are. In other words, he's simply saying how stupid you are. And how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And so these these disciples, it's not that they did not know the scriptures. Of course they knew the scriptures. But their own expectations were blinding them from seeing what God was trying to do. Their own expectations, their own idea of the Messiah was blinding them from what God was going to do. And so that's what Jesus Christ is saying. Now, why are you so slow to believe of all the things that the prophets have already spoken of? And so in teaching them and building up their faith, what did Jesus do? In building up their faith, Jesus Christ went to the scriptures and he taught them from their scriptures. And so he went and he grounded their faith in the scriptures. And he's saying that what he's showing us is he's teaching us that we need to anchor our faith based upon the scriptures. And so Jesus Christ went directly to the scriptures. And he says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, you see the scriptures says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. This is in verse 26. So Jesus Christ, in trying to help these, his disciples understand who he was and trying to help his disciples recognize him, he goes directly to the scripture and he says, it is here in the scripture, it is here that you are going to be able to understand who I am. It is here in the scriptures that you are going to be able to recognize exactly who I am. You see, Jesus Christ did not come to them. And Jesus did not say, well, you know the Old Testament. You know that Old Testament. It was written 1,500 years ago. It was written 2,000 years ago. So let's not talk about that. It's no longer relevant to us. Jesus Christ did not say that, did he? No, he did not say that. But instead, he went directly to the scriptures. Scriptures that was, that was written about 1,500 to 2,000 years before the time of Jesus Christ. And he went directly to the book of Moses. And he said, he preached from there, and he taught them from there, beginning in the book of Moses, the book of laws, the first five books of the scriptures from Genesis, here in Genesis and Exodus. And he, he preached from there. He taught from there. He began with these first five books from Genesis all the way to Deuteronomy, teaching them about what the scriptures said about Jesus Christ. And that is how faith is built. That is the way in which God has has predetermined for faith to be built. God determines that faith is to be built through the Word of God. Not through the pastor's opinion. not, Not through the Pope's opinion. Not through anybody's opinion. But it is built only through the Word of God. And that's why in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So in order for us to really build up our faith, in order for us to really learn to recognize who Jesus Christ is, it must come from the scriptures and that's what Jesus Christ was doing here was he was revealing himself to his disciples by appealing back to the scriptures by teaching them about the scriptures and it says that he explained to them what was said in the scriptures and this word explain means to expound it means it is it is an exposition of the scriptures there's a reason there's a reason why churches in America the churches that are growing in America are churches that preach Expository sermons. In other words, they preach directly from the scriptures. And churches that are dying in America are churches that don't preach from the scriptures. They may read the scripture, but when they teach or when they preach, they give their personal opinions. But churches that are growing are churches that preach directly. From the scripture they expound from the scripture they they read from the scripture they teach directly from the scripture they explain the scripture thoroughly in its context and this is what it means when 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 it says here in verse 26 that Jesus explained it to them from the scriptures this means to expound to thoroughly explain accurately and properly to unfold its real meaning It implies the rolling back or the folding back of a veil to allow the people to see clearly, clearly what scriptures and that's what Jesus Christ was doing for that seven miles, man. These these two disciples were studying the scriptures with Jesus Christ. Uh, how awesome that would be for us to be able to just be with Jesus Christ, just to be able to walk with him for, for even, you know, for that seven miles and to be able to, to do Bible study with the greatest teacher of all, the greatest teacher of all. And he was preaching to them. He was teaching to them. He was saying, anchor your faith, anchor your faith here with the word of God. Don't anchor your faith on your own personal preferences. Don't anchor your faith on your own personal expectations. But anchor your faith here on the Word of God, and you will begin to recognize. You will start to recognize who I truly, truly am. And we have a view in Western Christianity that believes the Bible is only a bunch of stories about people's subjective experiences with God, and therefore, many times we believe it's no longer relevant to us. And so as a result, we are so caught up with the idea of relativism and our own faith and our own journey. We're so caught up with that idea. That with around 170 million Christians here in America, we have created 170 million gods. Because many times our faith is no longer anchored in the word of God. But yet our faith is anchored in our own personal preferences. In our own personal expectations. And it makes it so hard. So difficult for us to recognize Jesus Christ. Even though he is by our side. That was the challenges. That was the challenge that these two disciples were going through at this time. They could not recognize him. Because they were more fixated upon what they were expecting. Instead of understanding Jesus Christ. For what was revealed to them through Scriptures. And so Jesus started teaching them. And Jesus began in the book of Moses. And and he went all the way to the the book of the prophets. Teaching them that everything in the Scriptures, all the prophecies that were made by these prophets in the Old Testament, all these things were testimony to who he was. It was a testimony to Jesus Christ from Genesis chapter 3 the offspring of the woman, the child of the woman, the seed of the woman who was going to crush the serpent's head. And the serpent was going to, to, to hit his heel while he crushed the serpent's head. This was about Jesus Christ, you see. That's what Christ was teaching them. This was about Jesus Christ. To the story of Abraham. As Abraham was leading his son Isaac up Mount Moriah, to sacrifice his own son, to sacrifice Isaac on Mount Moriah. This too was a, was a shadow, was a picture of the Father, of God the Father leading his own son. God the Father leading God the Son up that very same mountain 2,000 years later and sacrificing his son on that mountain. All about Jesus Christ. To all the sacrificial laws of Moses. They were all pointing to Jesus Christ. They were all a testimony to Jesus Christ. To the people of the Old Testament. To the Joshua's, to the David's, to the Joseph's. All these people of the Old Testament. They were not examples of you and I, brothers and sisters. But these men were a type of Christ. They were an example. They were a shadow of Jesus Christ. You see, when we see that picture, of, when we see that story of David standing before Goliath, we often say, we are David. And we are there to defeat Goliath. But that's not the case at all. If Jesus was teaching this, Jesus would be saying, Jesus, David. David is a representation of Jesus Christ goliath was a representation of all the sins of this world all the things that have kept us in fear all the things that have kept us in bondage throughout all these years throughout the years of human history we are the ones who we cannot overcome that we cannot overcome goliath himself we are the ones that stand stands behind david shaking in our boots But David is a representation of Jesus Christ. David is the one that stood before Goliath. And he defeated sin. He defeated death for us. So if Jesus was teaching about it, this is what Jesus would would have taught. But for us, for somehow, for some reason, we have changed that. And we say, we are David. We're not. We say David is a representation of us. Not. He was a representation of. He was a picture, a shadow of what was to come. The one to overcome death. The one to overcome sin. That was Jesus Christ. And so I want us to understand that the hero of the scriptures, the hero of the scripture is Jesus Christ. All things in the Bible, it's a testimony to Jesus Christ. Many times we, we as Christians often say that the Old Testament is no longer relevant to us. Brothers and sisters, that's not what Jesus Christ said. Jesus Christ never said that. But Jesus Christ is saying that for you to understand who he is, you can see all these things in the Old Testament. That is testimony to who he is. He cannot be who he is without the prophecies. He cannot be who he is without the signs and wonders of the old testament. And so all things from Old Testament to the New Testament is a testimony to Jesus. And so we must anchor our faith on him. We must anchor our faith upon the word of God. You know, at the beginning of this story, we see these two disciples these two disciples walking away from Jerusalem with strong feelings of disappointment. Strong feelings of disappointment over what they expected from God that week. But by the end of that seven-mile walk, they realized one thing. They realized that God has given them more than what they expected. You see, at first, they, they were disappointed. Because they think and they thought that God did not meet their expectations. But by the end of that seven mile journey to Emmaus. They realized that God gave them more than what they I often think about my children when they're still little kids in preschool and kindergarten. They used to come up to me and they say, Dad, I want $5. Can you give me $5? Sometimes I'll look into my wallet and I don't have $5. But I have a $10 bill. You can have this $10 bill. And I hand that $10 bill over to them. And they'll get upset. They'll get mad. They'll get angry about that. Because, you know, being that they're still in preschool, being that they're still in kindergarten, I mean, all they know is, you know, all they can do is that they can only count up to five. And so they think that five is what they need. And so they don't understand at that point, they don't understand at that time yet, that $10 is more than $5. And so sometimes they'll come up to me and they ask for $5 and I give them $10. And, and they'll be disappointed in that. Many times that's how we are. We come up to God and we ask God for these little things. And God, but yet God has a better, He has a bigger plan for us. Something that he wants to give to us. And he's saving, he's, he's, he's saving that plan for us. And it's hard and it's difficult for us to understand that something. And so we become disappointed in God. But I want us to understand that God always has a bigger plan for us. The little things that we ask for, those things are oftentimes not as important as what God has planned for us. God has a plan for us that is greater, greater than anything that we can even begin to imagine. And so, brothers and sisters, I want you to know from, from today, from, this, from these scriptures here today, that when you're disappointed, I want you to learn to expect Jesus to be with you. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is with you. And I want you to anchor your faith not on your own personal preferences, not on worldly things, not on things of this world. Don't anchor your faith on whether or not God is going to give you that brand new car. Don't anchor your faith on whether or not God is going to give you that house. Don't anchor your faith on whether or not God is going to give you that job. But anchor your faith on the Word of God. If you anchor your faith on these worldly things you will end up being disappointed. You will end up not being able to recognize who Jesus Christ is. And so anchor your faith, not on your own personal preferences, not on your own ideas, but anchor your faith in his word. And when you do this, it will provide you answers for uncertain times. I want you to learn to accept Jesus Christ for who he is. Today, I want you to learn to accept him for who he is. Don't try to make Jesus Christ into someone else. Don't try to make Jesus Christ into your own personal preference. Don't try to make Jesus Christ into your image. But just accept Him for who He is. Accept Him for who He has revealed Himself. I want us to understand that God always has a better plan for us. Many times He doesn't answer our prayers over these little things. It's because He has a better plan for us. And we need to find comfort and trust. And in closing, I just want to say a couple of things here. I just want to let us, let us know that despite all the divisive narrative that we often hear in our society nowadays, I want, I want all of us to know that we are one family in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ who purchased us with his own blood, he's redeemed us all to himself. And so I want to appeal to all of you as brothers and sisters. If you are a family that has been infected by this virus during this pandemic, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is indeed walking with you. If you are a family that has someone who is at higher risk for severe illness to this virus, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is walking with you. If you're a family that have lost your job, your family that have lost your health care, your family that need to get back to work as soon as possible because you are unsure how much longer you can keep your home through this pandemic, I want you to know that Jesus Christ is walking with you. And so Jesus Christ is indeed walking with all of us through this pandemic. And he will lift us up. Make us a better and a stronger people. And so I want us to keep the faith. Keep trusting in the Lord during this time. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much for your word today. We pray that your word today will lift us up. We pray that your word today will help us understand that even though many times we go through difficult times and even though many times you may not answer our prayers as according to our needs, as according to what we want. We pray that you help us understand that you have a much better plan for us and that you will continue to walk with us even during times of disappointments. You will continue to be with us. We pray that you help us understand that we must anchor our faith in your word. We must anchor our faith in your revelation, not in our own personal preferences, but let us anchor our faith in your revelation. Let us learn to accept you for who you are, just as you have accepted us for who we are. And so in doing so, we pray that we'll be able to recognize you, Recognize your mighty works through the most difficult times of our lives. And so at this time, as we close this worship session, we ask for your grace to be upon each and every single one of us. Continue to keep us safe until we meet again. So we lift everyone up to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. OK, brothers and sisters, I will see you once again next week um, here on Facebook at 1030 a.m. OK, and so um, see you again and God bless all of you and may he keep you safe and healthy. I'll see you again.